Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 411 uh, featuring Meets Meyer, who I have known of actually for, for many, 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 many years. Uh, he was doing nomenology stuff uh, back in the day when I was actually doing nomenology stuff. Uh, uh, and uh, so I sort of you know knew him through, through the Nomen stuff. But he's also a very talented person, very talented and interesting artist. Uh, who I actually uh, got to meet for the first time at THU, and we were going to do a podcast with him at THU, but then it turns out that he is uh, uh, was not, you know, we just couldn't get the schedules to work. But since he actually moved out to Yucca Valley, which is uh, sort of uh, around the Palm Springs area, shall we say, uh, or around uh, uh, Joshua Tree, uh, it was really, I've decided, well, I'm just going to go out and go check him out over there. So I actually got the chance to drive out to uh, Joshua Tree area and record a podcast at his house, and we did it in a video format. So you guys should really check this out on YouTube. Uh, really fun. The, uh, Kristen, uh, Meats is a very interesting person. What did you think of the podcast? Did you watch some of the video a little bit? Yeah, I watched the video. It's actually a fun one. So you all should watch it on YouTube. You get to see it in his like in his front porch in Yucca Valley. So it was a fun. Uh, he gives us a little history of how he moved there a few years ago, yep. um, inspired from uh, – Alex at mm-hmm. Noman, um, and then get to hear about uh, how he got into Hollywood via ILM um, and virtual production on Obi-Wan Kenobi and Avatar The Last Airbender, and then you guys get into AI, and I'll let you kind of discuss <laughs> Yeah, that. for sure. Uh, he is, like he said, he is actually doing a lot of stuff uh, in virtual production, has been working in, in virtual production and LED wall spaces for, for a while. Uh, he's he's just, just starting a new job over at Island Studios. Uh, which is part of Skyline, so and he's going to be a, a virtual production supervisor there. So really excited to hear about that. But yes, we do talk a lot about AI. He has been uh, one of the uh, uh, an artist uh, that has been sort of outspoken in that area. Uh, he is uh, he he loves it as a medium and in, and has embraced it as a medium. That in itself has become very controversial, uh, and he's he's owning up to that that controversy itself. Uh, I the you know I try to ask him some very tough questions because I think that you know there's a lot of people that have issues with AI art, uh, and the, I think that those questions need to be addressed. I was curious to hear what his thoughts are. I do would love to hear more people. Uh, talk about this subject, especially those who are having issues. I know there's some lawsuits that are being uh, b- brought against some of the some of the, the some of the, uh, the, the the software companies that are developing some of this AI technology. Uh, and I'd love to talk to some of the people who are in, around around that and some of the things that are going on. So this is a subject that I have very passionate to talk about. Love to get people to discuss it. Um, and I know that it's been hard for some people to actually come forward, but I do want to thank Meets for being able to discuss it and come up, uh, come on board. Uh, I did not go easy on him, but I also want to make sure that we talked about uh, a lot of the things that he's been in, uh, excited about in this medium because I think this is I think that's fascinating and something that we definitely need to be paying attention to, especially uh, in terms of the what it's how it affects us in terms of technology. But yeah, definitely check it out. Uh, and as well, you know, obviously Meets is really cool. I do, as you said. We actually did not record it in front of his house. We recorded it in front of his saloon. There is literally a saloon oh. that they're building uh, in the backyard, uh, which is just crazy. So he's got a really great house. He's also building a stage uh, where he's going to be doing his own sort of, you know, projections and things of that nature there. So he said it's going to turn into a great, you know, Zoom studio in some kinds. So really cool stuff that, that, that Meets has been doing and very excited to see 
what's happening there. So yeah, definitely go check out the, the, the podcast, uh, and in video form if you can, uh, to do that. So, uh, we don't have any particularly products or, or events going on, uh, right this, uh, in a, in the near future. So, uh, but if you want to check those, uh, if you want to follow us, make sure just go to chaos.com to see any product updates up there, or just go to chaos.com slash events for any events that are going on. But if people want to know more about the podcast, Kristen, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash CG Garage Podcast or chaos.com slash CG Garage. And if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaos group TV. Perfect. And that is definitely something you should go check out. You should check out Meets and, uh, and I hanging out in front of his saloon. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun being up there with him uh, and, and checking out all the cool stuff that he's doing. Uh, and of course, if you guys have other ideas or suggestions, such as another person to talk about AI art, we would love to hear from you. Our email is labs at chaos.com. Again, that is labs at chaos.com. But for now, please enjoy episode number 411 with Meets Myers. Welcome to another CG Garage where the chaos group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. All right, so I'm calling this an extension of THU because we tried to do it at THU. Mm -hmm. Couldn't mm -hmm. make it happen. Yep. And then you told me where you live. And I was like, well, then well, I'm just going to drive here <laughs> and make this happen. Awesome. So I'm really glad we were able to do this. Uh, I've always, you know, I've known your work for 20, 30 years, right? Oh. You've been doing this for a long time. I've not, I've, I was introduced to you through people like uh, like Eric Hansen mm -hmm. and uh, Alex Badass. Alvarez. Oh yeah, great so, um So I know sort of uh, what's going on. So a uh, couple things before we get started. First of all, where are we? Just explain to people. So we are, are in Yucca Valley, California, which yeah. is like right on the border of Joshua Tree National Park. Yeah. And so how did you end up here? Oh man, the COVID, one of the beautiful parts about COVID, one of the only beautiful parts about COVID, I should say, is that all of a sudden it allowed us, my girlfriend and I, Misaki, to um, basically work remotely. Right. And so it's actually because of Alex Alvarez, you just mentioned him, he got a place out here and we stayed over one night, woke up in the morning with a cup of coffee and just seeing the sun come up over this entire valley. I'm like, okay, we're moving here. <laughs> and like literally like three months after that, we were, we were here. It was right. just the strangest thing, like having to kick ourselves, but basically the neighbors are really far away we're kind of in the middle of nowhere so it's an ultimate place for us to just get creative and do our work well that's kind of awesome but let's let's talk a little bit about you I mean, you're you guys are both artists mm -hmm. right well you're what's what's your background how did you become an artist and you oh, have man. a very unique style of doing mm. things so let's let's sort of Thank get you. into that uh, that background yeah i mean well i started out as like right after high school as a t-shirt designer and an airbrush artist and so I, I used to do airbrush art for like bands, like the local bands in Salt Lake. Right. And some of my posters that I did for a band called One Eye ended up at this um, bar. It was a bar owned by this guy named Chris Johnson who was starting up a video game company called Beyond Games. And so 
I got, I was doing t-shirts one day and I got a call from him. He's like, Hey, how would you like to design video games? I'm like, I'm there. And I walked in my boss's office and quit right then. And then, so that's how I got a job. You know, did back, you know anything about computer art at that yeah, point? Yeah, I actually did. He didn't know that though. Right. He just went purely by, I need an artist. Oh, look, there's a, there's art in his, you know, his place. And right. so he called me and it just so happened that, yeah, my dad um, gave me like Vic 20, Amiga, all that kind of stuff growing up. He, yeah. he was, he saw I had like interest in it and so every time there's a new computer he would get it for me right we were poor as hell like looking back now it's like those things are like five or six thousand dollars like in today's money i'm like wow that's pretty crazy that he did that but it set me up for my entire life you know so he 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 um basically brought me in and said hey there's this new thing that i heard about that's called 3d like virtual fighter just barely came out so he's like i'm a video game developer you know he did all these battle wheels stuff for the links and he's like, I can see that this industry is going to be turned into 3D. And I'm like, what's, what's that? But he's like, go, go to SIGGRAPH. There's a thing called SIGGRAPH. Go there. There's a bunch of different software. And go and pick out what you want, you know, what you think is good. So I ended up getting like the Wavefront Advanced Visualizer stuff. So what year was this about? This was like 92, 93, I would say. <sighs> Pretty it was early. Like, it was before the internet really yeah. took off. You know, it was like, there was some internet stuff, but as far as getting information or learning, it was near impossible. You know, you couldn't do it that way. So, so they, he got you an SGI? He got me an SGI, that little toaster looking yeah. thing, and said, um, here's the software. So I've got an advanced visualizer, which was stapled together all these different programs. Yeah. You know, it was almost exactly like it is now with, with AI stuff, and we'll get into that later, but right. it's like all these different bits and pieces that kind of are starting to come together into programs. You can see right. it's almost exactly like that. So I just sat down. It was literally this many books. I sat there. I read them all. I'm, I'm honestly a dumbass and like not a programmer. I'm just pure artist. But it was so interesting to me that we could have these 3D things, things you could work on that you could turn around and see the other side of it. Right. You know? <laughs> and at that time, like even it's like it was we started out even before that SGI, we had like an Apple with um, oh, now I'm not going to think of the name of the software, but it's literally if you turned rotated the wireframe it was another minute to draw the wireframe yes yeah so it's i mean just to kind of date myself how old i am but that's kind of walking up the hill both ways that was my wireframe thing and you know if you contrast it today where you have four you know full screen 4k real time um, ray tracing with global illumination all that stuff with 20 characters on it's no problem so it's kind of cool I've, i've been able to see this entire industry you know as it went up right so what was your so so your first foray into this was video games, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. And how long? And this was in in Utah. You said you grew up. This in was in Utah, yeah. So it, I didn't even meet anybody that did 3D for about two and a half years into doing it, like learning it. I didn't even know anybody that you know. But what's strange that is that Utah it. actually had like a 3D. Utah was the the was a weird little hub in a lot of ways. In yeah. a lot of ways, yeah. It's like the Utah teapot that a lot of people hear about. That was right. like the University of Utah, which right. was just down the street from where I lived. Right. Um, it was kind of the hotspot of a lot of that learning and information, yep. and then, um, you know, so a lot of the stuff was happening Viewpoint from that. Viewpoint was there, right? So, uh, who? Viewpoint? Yeah, yeah, they were. Like, it was like in the southern part of the state, I right. think. I'm starting okay. to think, but um, long time ago long now, time my, ago. my friend. <laughs> yeah. Those are old, old That's days. when you used to buy computer models, and it'd be like $10,000 for a skeleton model. Oh, Remember man, that? <laughs> yeah. It was good money. Yeah. Yeah, nobody knew how to use that stuff. I mean, basically anybody that could turn on a computer could go to Hollywood and, you know, get a job doing that. Yeah. Now, that was my next stage. I so just, how did you do that? So how did you get into that? So I put together like a demo reel of all the stuff that I've been doing. And I, I for some reason, figured out um, 3D tracking. 
like in the okay. early early days and so i tracked all this stuff and inserted my thing uh, all my junk my 3d you know models and animations right. onto the track stuff right so i sent that out like i i went to sigraph like that year that i had it and i just dropped it in the box you know it was in the vhs tape style <laughs> stuff yep. you know throw those in and i i got a, a a hit from almost everybody that i sent it to in fact ilm flew me out to go meet with them wow. and um so I actually had to um, like ride a motorcycle in that day um, from San Francisco into where they were, mm -hmm. and it rained like crazy, and I didn't know it was going to rain, so yep. I showed up to the interview just soaking wet, just completely soaking wet. I sit down, and there's like 12 people at this big table, and I'm <laughs> a dude from Utah right. that hadn't really met anybody that did any of the, this kind of stuff, and all I was sitting in this thing. Um, long story short, I ended up working for, I turned them down, I working for um, the orphanage. Oh, which okay. was the offshoot of yeah. it was the best and brightest from ilm that came to work you know that yeah. was kind of set up perfectly for me whereas it was like we want someone who's not just you're, you're the guy who makes ears or you know really specific They're it was more, more about yeah generalist things like the more you know and i was like a technical director for them right which was a lot of like what the hell am i doing here kind of stuff what is, <laughs> what does a technical director do yeah. you know kind of things and i wor worked on hellboy day after tomorrow and all sorts of stuff it was I worked awesome on day after tomorrow. well yeah it's, it seems like everybody <laughs> that i know i've ever met either worked on hellboy or day after tomorrow right so right, right. Yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of a hot time for them yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so were you doing camera tracking? Or is that what your main focus, or were you well, not generalist? For that, no, no, just pure generalist. Awesome. So it was like I didn't know. I honestly didn't know what the hell I was doing. And you know, they they it was like throwing a baby into the water to teach you how to swim. And that's yep. literally my. But you know, to me, it was like I throw me in the water, but like, what is this? And, oh, I love swimming. I realized I love swimming. So right. as I didn't care, but I I just dove into that the same way I always did, and just figured figured it out and got really super good at it. Right. As far as you know, I can say myself. But. Yeah, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, so so what got you into the art? Because I also know a lot of what you do based on your creations and your own art, right? Mm -hmm. it's, you're not just a technical director, you're an artist yeah, too. That's, I, I feel like I'm 98% artist, and then that 2% has to really struggle to do all these like near programming type, type stuff that I do. Right. Um, but I, I was an artist, I felt like since like second grade, I remember like doing artwork and having the teacher say okay you're the one who now you're the guy who does the the board that does all every every week you change the board you know and I, I became kind of famous in second grade is oh that's the artist guy <laughs> I used to go to like my friend's house and my artwork was on his fridge you know like wow. usually you're like hey mom here I'm putting this up but it was yeah. on somebody else's fridge when I was in second grade I was like wow this is this is it you know I'm an artist I always will be so Hopefully, I, I always I will. Yeah, and so what, is, what inspired you? Because you've got a very, listen, there's a lot of different kinds of artists out there, mm -hmm. and there's different things that are going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think, the, you know, let's, there's a lot of people out there that are just redoing an anime character with a sword or whatever mm -hmm. it is, right? You're not that kind of an artist. You're an artist who's, like, found your own thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's a very unique <laughs> style. Oh, thank you. <laughs> well, I like to say now it's kind of like, um, the the AI thing now where you prompt different artists. Basically, I prompted, I, I was, uh, everything that was in Omni Magazine, I don't know if you remember that thing, yeah. Omni Magazine, like, had all these killer artists like Giger and, yeah. you know, basically everybody's, like, all the cool, crazy sci-fi artists was in that. So as I turned the page, you know, it's, I did my AI training, you know, of what I wanted. Like, I remember as the early time then, 
And then from then on, it was basically, um, I, I, technology was kind of what drove new possibilities. Like I would find a new program that does a certain thing and it would inspire this new kind of a way that, to do things, to go about it and a new looks. And every time, like through the last like 30 years, you know, it's just like if something new comes out, like the AI, then all of a sudden I start, I figured out how to use and harness that power and, and that changes my kind of style in a lot of ways, you know, right. because I kind of go with what, where it's leading me. But you, your, your style has always been uh, a, a reactionary style, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're always, it's, it's, it's not necessarily about being pretty. <laughs> no, not, not at all. Yeah, I don't, I'm not proud. Right, but, well, you should, you, well, you should be, the, the, the art doesn't always have to be pretty, you yeah, know? And I agree I think, with that. And I, and I think that there's Dark. an expression that's happened, and so you have a darkness to the mm -hmm. thing to do. You also have... Uh, a, a very organic thing mm, to it, mm -hmm. right? It's uh, yeah. it's um, Geiger is a good example. Cronenberg is another one mm, that I think of when yeah. I think of your art. Yeah, uh, it's, I used to call myself the organic mechanic. The so, organic mechanic. Yeah, so it's just like it's kind of nat nat natural nature, but it also with some technical me mechanics to it. You right. know, some real reality, you know, mixed with the the natural, I guess. Right. Right. Now, before we get into AI, because I know we're definitely going to be talking about mm -hmm. that. It's going to be a long and heated conversation. <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about how technology has always been something that has influenced how you approach your style, mm -hmm. right? Because I know you've done, obviously, you've done, you were doing stuff in Wavefront. Oh, yeah. but you did a lot of ZBrush stuff. You did a lot of other yeah. things. So all of these things have influenced how you've done. So how, how has, tell us about some of the, first of all, some of the history of some of the, 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 the moments in technology history that have said, okay, once this happened, then I could do this, then I could do yeah. that. So what are some of those things that happen along well, the way? Well, I remember with Maya, like when Maya 2 came out or something, a thing called Paint Effects came out. Oh, right, yeah. And so that completely inspired me to make this thing called Mother Nature, which was like a, basically a lady with like, a, her hair was um, like a bush or a tree with all these plants and stuff on it. Right. Previous to that, you couldn't even have done that. Even if you had the idea, because of how long it would take and all the polygons that it would take, yeah. it just was impossible. But now there's this new tool that you could basically spray on all this stuff. So I'm like, what can I do? And so I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a nature, you know, I'm using that new stuff, like all these different tools that were automatically like flowers and plants. Like, what can I do with the flowers and plants? And it kind of led to that thing. And um, Duncan Brinsmead, the guy who invented paint effects, mm -hmm. said, wow, this guy's using my stuff the way it should be used. Let me promote him, you know, which is kind of always how it works, you know. Right. So I kind of try to pioneer like and make something um, like solid and concrete, you know, from that. And so the producers and the directors, the, the people that make that, like are looking for that kind of thing. Like, let, let me finally show that, see, I had a good idea to make this because look at what people are making. Right. And so he, from that, he named me a Maya master, um, put me up oh, on stage, right, all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, and then um, they gave me the cover of Maya 7. Um, right, I do remember so, that. Every time someone had to load up my S7, in those days it took like three minutes to open it, they had, saw my artwork sitting there. I felt so bad for that, <laughs> for that, for that year. And I did the cover and whatnot. Right. So that was one example. Another example is ZBrush. Yes. So when ZBrush first came out, it was 2.5D. It wasn't even 3D yet. And right. um, Ofer, Pixelator, um, right. saw some of the work that I was doing with his 2.5D stuff. I, was, I created some stuff that I, some of my favorite images was purely 2.5D, which means that you place this 
um, geometry on the canvas and it locks into the pixel technology, PIX, right. P-I-X-O-L technology, um, volumetric kind of stuff. Right. And I used to make the craziest stuff with that. You place it on and it's done. You can't move it once, once it's dropped onto the canvas. So I'd make all these complex stuff with it. Again, using the, like saying, what can I do now? It's not, no longer polygon based. I'm dropping all this stuff on and um, creating these things and posting it on ZBrush Forum. So right. from that, um, Pixelator um, made me or had me do the cover of ZBrush back, <laughs> back in the old days when there, there were actual packages for things like that. Right. And so I did that. And from that, Alex Alvarez saw it and said, hey, I'm, I'm looking for someone to um, like teach a class on ZBrush. Um, so I should say real quick, it's they, from then they decided to go 3D, you know, from then. Right. And so like, hey, there's no new technology. Now it's not 2.5D. You could actually take this stuff and it's this new technology called subdivision surfaces where yeah. basically you take something and make it more and more resolution. And every time you have more resolution, you can add that much more detail on it. So I was like, yes. And so I started working on that and posting things. And Alex Alvarez, um, the owner of Noman, yeah. um, called me and said, hey, are you interested in um, doing DVDs about ZBrush and teaching um, classes? And I was like, hell yeah. And so that's how I came to LA. You know, he brought me out here. I lived with him for a little bit. Um, he took me under his wing and I, I taught the very first ever ZBrush class, professional class, and did the first ever ZBrush um, DVD. So, you know, things like that. Just any time that I can see something new happening, I dive in there and try to pioneer it. I mean, that's not even really what I'm trying to do. I'm just more excited about, right. look at this new thing. Whew, let me try this out. Like, let's see what this new thing could help me advance my own vision. You know, how so this is it... probably about 2005 or so? 2000... It was 2006, I think, Six. when okay. I started doing the ZBrush classes. Right. I think that was about around that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because I was doing V-Ray DVDs for him at the uh, same time. So I'm I remember he had the, it, was, it was Nomenology. Or, no, no, it was, uh, it was Nomen Workshop. Yeah, the Nomen Workshop. Nomen Workshop. Oh, and awesome. So, yeah. So, yeah, I remember it. It was a big thing. And to me, you know, as someone who, who did modeling before I did Concentrate Light, I did a lot of modeling. Just the idea of a sculpting tool, the way that ZBrush was presented, oh, was it like, changed everything. this changed everything. It really did. It's, I've always said that Ofer is from the future. I've, yeah. I, I still kind of believe that, that he's just kind of releasing whatever our computer can handle for the time being. Like, yeah. okay, your, your computers are better now. Here, here's this old, you know, the next thing that you can do. Yeah. Amazing. He, he really changed our industry. Do you remember Alex used to model us creatures with nerve patches? Oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's like trying to model a creature with, oh, as a quilt. Man, glut, <laughs> glutton for punishment there. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, yeah. So it was really amazing. Uh, well, that's awesome. Okay, so, so ZBrush was the next big thing. Obviously, you became a pretty big ZBrush influencer to a lot of people hmm. and a lot of the things you're doing thanks to Noman. And that's, uh, so yeah. what was the next thing that sort of like changed you. Um, well, it's virtual production was, I think, the, the next kind of thing. Um, I started out, I worked for Jon Stewart, and he was trying to create a show that it could be, something could happen the night before. Right. Writers that morning write it, send it to us, and within like five hours have the complete show. It's an animated show, kind of like the sure. Daily Show, yep. but pure animated, you know, okay. which was going to open up the possibilities. And so we worked for like a year and a half on trying to get that to work, and it never quite worked because technology wasn't quite there yet. Gotcha. It's, he was a little bit, tiny bit ahead of his time. Right. And um, from there, I went to Fox VFX Lab, which is kind of, they really introduced me to kind of virtual production. And Was this with, uh, with uh, uh, Glenn Derry? Exactly, yeah, yeah Glenn. <laughs> he's a 
great dude. Yeah, I love yeah. That he guy. invented the term virtual production. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, I did not know he, that. He did that because um, he needed to find a different way to signify himself from the visual effects supervisor. Oh, interesting. So it says virtual production supervisor as opposed to visual effects supervisor. Oh, so that was how it's like, had, we need a two I different I didn't even terms. know that. So I, he came up with virtual production. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool. Yeah, they, they had a huge, huge place, like 30,000 square foot place, yeah. like downtown LA. And so they did motion capture, all that stuff. And I just learned the hell out of it and enjoyed that kind of stuff. And I, then I worked with the, the people that were, would eventually become Happy Mushroom. Okay. And so Happy Mushroom are the people that did the very first Mandalorian, which so it was, they were pioneering all that kind of stuff. Sure. Really, it's like they all came down on, on set onto the volume, you know, the, sure. the, the, the virtual production like volume. Right. And okay, like wh what the hell we do it? And they had to figure out a lot of stuff, you know. Sure. So it's not just them, but you know, it's like all, uh, all you know, the other people that are working with them and whatnot. Okay. And so um, eventually, uh, we, we worked on this show at Fox VFX Lab called Mouse Guard for like two and a half oh, years. Oh, with, uh, what's his name? Who's the director? Wes Ball. Wes Ball, yeah. 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 He's been so, on the podcast too. Oh, really? Yeah. He, he's an awesome dude. <laughs> he's a super nice man. guy. Man, I, I can't believe he got a director job from doing a CG short. Yes. Like he, <laughs> which is insane to me, which well, was Blankamp really inspiring. Well, did the same thing, actually. Oh, think wow. about it. Blankamp did the short that ended up getting... District Nine. Oh wow! Okay, dang. Yeah. That's that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it, I I was super impressed when I heard about that. And he was, you know, young dude that's probably younger yeah. than me. I don't know. Yep. And he's, you know, in charge of this multi multi million dollar like thing, Mouse Guard. But it, eventually, um, uh, Disney bought Fox, yep. and that killed that and killed that entire Fo Fox VFX Lab thing. Yeah. Which was uh, the biggest bummer ever. But it did give me a lot of training, you know, to where I was going to go. Sure. And so from there, um, once um, Happy Mushroom really got going, I'm friends with all the owners and stuff, and I worked with them for years, so they brought me on. Okay. And then, um, so I was like, I was the virtual production supervisor on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay. And so I worked directly with the directors, the production designers, yeah. everything. Every single day I was with them, like we were doing put on VR headsets, fly around, you know, it was during the pandemic. Sure. So we did the entire thing completely virtually. It was mm -hmm. rad. Like I couldn't even believe it, how, how fun that was. Right. And then after that, I did the, the unreleased, um, so far, um, the, the Netflix, um, Avatar Last Airbender live action. Okay. So that one's going to be awesome. That's going to come out. And I did a bunch of other random stuff. Um, so that's kind of brings me almost to, you know, a okay. bunch, bunch of other mini things, but yeah, it's about well, right so, so, so let's talk a little bit about virtual production. Obviously, you know, the definition of, I used to fight people on the fact that it's like virtual production mm -hmm. is when you have, you know, everything in CG and then, you know, other stuff is in camera VFX. But at this point, mm -hmm. everyone's just calling it virtual production. Yeah. So I've stopped fighting that the thing. It's yeah. like, eh, let's just call it all virtual production. It's yeah. fine. So do you consider LED walls and sort of like avatar style virtual production two different things? Or do you consider them similar? I, I, I feel like they're the same. You, when you say avatar, do you mean like the James Cameron avatar? Yeah. Or? So instead of actually having LED screens, you're just filming everything oh. and you see it in camera, right? So you see oh, there's a see. virtual camera, right? Okay, there's gotcha. no wall or anything. I do consider that the same thing. In fact, that's kind of what I'm making in my studio as yeah. well. So it's like tracked cameras with a green screen. That's a great way to go, I feel so like. So let's talk about that for a little bit. What are you, you're building your own little virtual yeah. experiment stage right oh, yeah. here, right? For sure, yeah. So when I bought this place, it had like an open um, garage, more or less. Right. You know, with a little, one little door, completely dark, no windows, anything. It's 1024 by 1024 square feet. Right. Just this open thing. And it's taken me about a year it takes forever to get stuff done out in yucca valley but 
it's but I'm almost there. It's gonna have green screen, the track cameras, um, and a couple projection screens um, that I'm gonna use for like my, my Zoom meetings. You know, right. so it's gonna have like a tracked uh, webcam. The 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 unreal scene that's projected on the wall will shift as I move around, kind of stuff like that. I'm gonna have like I I consider it like the best like Zoom meeting room probably in the world. <laughs> I, and I'm not kidding. It's gonna yeah. be so awesome. So awesome. Kind of okay. working on that. All right, but this is a sort of a great place because you can just sort of experiment with all that oh, stuff, right? Yeah, it's out here. It's the best, the best move I've ever done. Really moving out to the desert. I lived downtown LA, you know, like yeah. through all the riots, through all that stuff. You know, I I was in, you know, in the thick of it. I would say, probably couldn't get a more hardcore place. You know, for two or three years that was happening. Right. All sorts of things happening. There's people out front of, or not people, but um, the National Guard was out front of my house with machine guns and you know all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so anyway, just moving out here to the desert is probably the, the biggest contrast I could ever have done in sure. my life. But it's we we just love it. it really, is, it's it's an ultimate place. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, so so what do you think about virtual production before we we get into some of the other mm. stuff? But what do you think about the virtual production? How it's changed the landscape of visual mm. effects. Yeah, it's, I feel like there's a, a lot to do with virtual production before it really gets super good. It's kind of like the buzzword now. There's, sure. a, there's a lot of limitations. Um, and, but, you know, realistically, it's, it's a freaking amazing. Yeah. You know, like when you step on that set, you know, on the, on the volume, looking at a set that you created sure. and you forget that you're in the volume just as a person standing there, yep. it's just mind-blowingly cool. And um, so, it, it, you know, it's right now, I think it's a kind of prohibitively expensive for most people. Sure. You know, it's $100,000 a day, I heard, like to rent like a decent volume, you know. Oh, so, wow. okay. um, so it's, you know, it's got some, some learning, you know, some ways to go. I think it needs to drop down in price quite a bit. You know, there needs to be much more smaller, you know, volumes. But it, as far as technology, it's just mind-blowingly cool, you know, especially the way that, you know, that we can design sets that everything is adjustable. Everybody's in the meetings at the same time. So the, the production designer, um, the director could be having conversations, you know, to figure out everything like the lighting, you know, everything could be worked on at once, you know, sure. when you're st starting to set it up, you know, you can set a certain thing and like, um, you'll, you'll have lighting that could be adjusted real time, you yep. know? And so there's so many questions, that get answered as you're setting this stuff up and everybody has like the say as it's happening. Like, well, you know, maybe we should move that mountain over there because I'm gonna want the sun to come up here. You're literally moving mountains and, you know, adjusting things like real time, you know, now at what time of day do you want it? Okay, you know, it's a golden hour 24 seven if you want it. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's really fantastic. I can't say enough about it. Yeah, I think obviously the flexibility of it is kind of an interesting thing. But obviously, like you said, there's limitations. The cost is very expensive the right cost. now. The cost, yeah, that's the number uh, one. And there's a lot of power requirements, space, oh, yeah. et cetera. But you can go to six different locations in one day. Yeah, yeah completely. <laughs> I mean, the other hard thing about it is that it just, it's not enough computer power yet to really get the realism that's needed. Sure. You know, you can do a lot of tweaks and stuff to get it looking good. Um, some things look good, some things don't. But at the end of the day, it's still just a computer screen that's a wrapped around, you know, that needs to look completely realistic at all time. It is. So I, computer power, like the GPU power, needs to double and double again, I think, and we're there. And it's been doubling every two years. So I'd say four years from now, you're going to have complete realism at all times. Yeah. It's well, just a the, little the, early now. The thing that I've always, I've had an argument about for, for a while is that um, 
there's a limitation to rasterized rendering as well. And mm -hmm. if when it goes fully ray traced, then you're going to yeah. have. Well, it's not just that. It's like the, the, I think there needs to be a step up. Like, I don't know if you've heard of NERFs, the neural radiance yeah, fields. Of course. Yeah. So it's, I think that is going to be really the change, the, the big changes once they well, figure nerf, out how to use, combine right. that with other stuff. You yep. know, it's like, I think that's going to be the realism. That's the NERFs are basically, uh, 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 are basically light fields. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. It's, so any way you look yeah. at it, I mean, you can. But you, you also have reflections that can change. And, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. that's the biggest key is now you can have like reflections, yes. um, refractions, mm -hmm. um, all that transparency, all the stuff that you could never have before with just scanning stuff. The so, problem with nerfs is that they, they don't move right now. Yeah, it, it's early, but I've seen some little bits of like starting. The animation for it, like yeah, figuring yeah. that out, and it does. It really also just comes down to you know GPU power. Just that stuff sure. needs to double and double and double again. Right. And right now, as far as GPU power goes, it's exponential. You know, it's like a doubling of a doubling. You know, is sure. huge, and that's what's happening right now. Through my whole career, it was like this, but all of a sudden, it's tilting like yeah. this. You know, like the forty ninety that I just got is just like amazingly, you know, fast, it's huge and amount good. Of, but it's it, just you and then need next, a microwave to, to next, like yeah, it, yeah, it's it's a lot of power. To oh, for sure, things. yeah, yep, yep. But yeah, so it's it's all about just it needs to everything needs to get faster. It's like no matter what, no matter how fast we make stuff, you know, then it's now we got to deal with people right. wanting more and more, so it, it stays the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so when you were at THU, obviously you were you're showcasing a lot of the stuff you were doing in Unreal, and obviously mm -hmm. we talked about that in terms of virtual production and how mm -hmm. that's affected your, your work. What other stuff in terms of real time has sort of has that influenced some of the other things, like some of your art and things like that? For sure, yeah. So I'm really starting to integrate um, the metahuman stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to move into like the um, the kind of like the real time like interviews things like that using a virtual character. Okay. So I hate seeing myself on screen so eventually I want to transpose my 3D character that can do whatever, you know, and look however I want him to look. Um, you know, so that's kind of where I've been focusing is like kind of like the real time characters like using motion capture, you know, that kind of thing. Sure. The real time face tracking using the iPad, you right. know. So now all of a sudden I have like the the entire um, like a performance capture now, sure. like in my house right there, you know, right, right, right. facial capture the same time as I'm doing, you know, body stuff and hands, right. you know, so pretty amazing. Okay. Well, that's very exciting. That's very exciting. Uh, okay. So the other thing that got, you know, we starting to talk about at THU was obviously some AI stuff mm -hmm. back then. And this was only in September. Yeah. But back then it was like, huh, this is interesting. It's like, we don't know how this works. And mm -hmm. since September to today, it, the, the issue has exploded. It is yeah. all over the news. There's As all, expected. There is a lot of information out there. There's a lot. I know, I know that you're very much into it, which we'll mm -hmm. get into some of that reason. But obviously, mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of uh, controversy about it, which I'm going to grill you on, uh, <laughs> as you know. Uh, but I want to know, like, like when you started to see what this was, and you're obviously a very early adopter of a lot of technology, as we've already established mm -hmm. at this point. What did you see? What was the thing that you started to realize was going on here? Oh man! Just to quickly backtrack, when I was at Fox VFX Lab, Nvidia came and did a demo of us, and that was like uh, seven, six years ago or something. And they okay. they showed us style transfer. Oh right, like and a so game they, system. Exactly. Yeah. So they explained to us neural networks. You know, I don't mm -hmm. know why they're there, or what they're doing, but they came and gave us a class, and I was like holy moly that's a freaking amazing right and so over the there's like three or four years where i was like okay now can i use it you know can i and it's not quite there yet you know sure. gee, i couldn't 
do the processing on my own GPU at right. that point. So it wasn't until around January of last year, almost almost exactly a year ago, I would say, right. um, this, the Disco Diffusion started popping up. Okay. And this, this program, Disco Diffusion, where you could just text prompt, you know, and it would give you an image. You know, it was really rudimentary, but it was very obvious where, where it could go and what it would do. Right. And so I just instantly, the second I could, um, I jumped into it. So basically what you could do back then um, is use this thing called Google Colab that Google was providing all of their GPUs. It was a cloud, it's like a little cloud computer. Exactly. Yep. So it just it's basically kind of a programming looking thing. When you first look at it, it's like, whoa, that's programming. You know, it's like it's a programming language and then the simplified version on the side that where you enter your inputs. So I figured that stuff out mm -hmm. just because I had to because there's all this power waiting for me. So I jumped in there and figured it out. And then um, so I just started like hammering on it, really. Okay. Yeah. And so so what what there's a, so obviously this is the thing, right? It was like text turns into image, right? Mm -hmm. So based on your art <laughs> and yeah. the thing you do. What are you entering as text? Okay, so the very first thing that I did is to see how close I could get to my artwork that I currently do. Okay. So I was trying to explain it, you know, how like wiry metal things, and I got some surprisingly good results where I'm like, this is almost better than what I can do. So at that point. Okay. It, and the, the very second thing I did was was start to like, okay, this seems almost too good to be true. This seems like it's taking art from other people. Mm -hmm. So I jumped in my, um, one of my favorite artists, Chet Czar, I took like his artwork, you know, off, off site and I just tried to explain it. Like, and I typed out Chet Czar, everything like, let's see, you know, if, is it just stealing stuff from online and repasting it? Okay. And so I did that, you know, for the first couple of months, you know, it's a Lori Lipton's another one I did over and over again. It get, got surprisingly good at her stuff actually. Um, Chet's wasn't quite there. It might not have like, you know, at that point, um, seen his stuff but right. that was my very first thing that i did i started making images and then every time i'd make an image i'd run it through the um the google lens or the google image search oh reverse so image search. exactly so okay. the very first thing you know it's like it this stuff was taken from the web so if you if you want to find the the smoking gun you know it does that constitute like is did it get as close is it just stealing and i i didn't come even barely close to finding anything that was even slightly, you know, something that you could take to like a judge and say, hey, look, they stole this because it wasn't even, you know, okay. slightly similar, you know. So I, that was my first thing is like, let me check out to see if this is real or like what's happening. Is this just like, because it's so good that I, it just does seem like it's taking it straight from an artist, pasting it on there, you know. Okay. So I tried all sorts of stuff and things, a purple school bus with green ears on it, you know, like right. something that no sane artist would have ever done. And it was doing that perfect perfectly you know so i started to feel better about kind of the at least the sourcing of this stuff but the it has been clear since then that it has been sourcing mm -hmm. tons of stuff yeah. from artists yeah. and it's been scraping the internet mm -hmm. and taking a bunch of stuff yeah and has had an effect on some of those artists right mm -hmm. so for example at thu we spoke to mark simonetti as you know yeah and mark was talking about like everyone had issues. Now back, this is back in September again. Early everyone's is. opinion, everyone's opinion has <laughs> changed a lot. But back in his biggest concern is that his brand mm -hmm. of his name yeah. is getting affected by people's crappy art that's <laughs> mad, that's trying to use yeah. his name, right? Yeah. So what what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, it, it's interesting because, um, which I, I thought that was a great thing. You know, it's like I'm trying to learn, like listen and hear all these things, you know, from everybody and real, to get a complete 360 degree understanding of this. So right. that was a new one to me. Um, and I'm like, okay, that, that actually makes sense. But when I got home from the THU, I must say, the, one of the first things I did is put a scene by Mark Simonetti, mm-hmm. and he was wrong. It creates beautiful stuff that looks exactly like his artwork. Right. It has learned Mark si- Simonetti's beautiful color schemes, right. you know, the foggy stuff that goes back, and it just it looks fantastic. So, Well, what about, how does that affect Mark? Well, that, that's, I mean, it, at least for, for that concern, that concern's gone because it, it okay. creates beautiful stuff. So it stuff. creates beautiful work, but yeah. it also, but okay. But so as it, far as like affecting him, I, I wonder, I mean, it, is somebody that was going to hire Mark Simonetti for his exact stuff, would they just type that Mark Simonetti and get his work? I'm not sure exactly. I'm almost positive they would if they could do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, who knows? I mean, it's, it's going to affect everybody like that for sure. Right. I mean, but I, I don't have any exact, you know, answers for it. It's, yeah. But what, I mean, so, so right now there's obviously a lot of controversy. There's a lot of artists out there that are uh, upset about this because mm-hmm. they're saying that it's stealing. Uh, they're saying that uh, people are profiting off their work without representing them mm-hmm. and a bunch of other uh, issues. What are, what are some of your positions on that? Like, how do you, what do you think about it? Well, my position, I mean, I looked into it and really it's, it's really not stealing technically because anybody that got scraped basically signed a terms of service that goes in there. So there's this thing called the common crawl that all this stuff, anybody that's attached to this, you know, mostly is attached to this common crawl. And so, and it, but it's, it's kind of worse than that because I think anybody that even signed up for like Amazon, um, like to, to have your, the, like the storage, anything is part of that common crawl. You know, okay. so it's so that's kind of they sign the, the, the terms of service. If you look in there, like they're allowed to do that. So as far as like something that they could take to the um, courts, it probably wouldn't hold up at all. You know, especially because this is in terms of them just using their using image. it. Yeah. In, Not in necessarily in terms of stealing clear. it. Just yeah. Using it's their the reason that is attached to that training model is because it's part of this common crawl that's going across, you know, the entire and, right. So the other thing that I learned is that, that modern day artists are a small, small, small fraction of this. So I hear a lot that AI is stealing, you know, it's really not, you know, it's, right. it's, 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 uh, it's 100% stealing. So people are saying, but it's really, you know, not like 80% of it comes from like photo places, you know, right. Shutterstock. You know things like that. Well, let's talk about which that. I hate. Then I, I, yeah. I hate Shutterstock. So it's like, yeah, but but, but let's talk about all the photographers out there yeah, that are yeah, that yeah. are being that oh, are yeah. the like. There's a lot of people mm-hmm. that that made a living off doing uh, uh, stock photography. Yeah, yeah. It's it, in fact like even Google searches things like that's going to go away because of AI. You know, a lot of stuff is changing. You know, right. it's, I I I think the stock photo stuff. I mean, I, I'm not here to say that this is wonderful for artists at all you know at all you know i'm i'm an artist i don't want my stuff stolen as also but i do think that really you know if we're on a beach and i grabbed a handful of sand like or a pinch of sand like that's your contribution to this training model right you see this the whole ocean right here this is your contribution you're not if this was gone it would basically do the same thing in fact if any if 
all of the artists were cut off that were any digital artists whatsoever, it okay. would still work fantastically beautiful. Well, the then, only okay, thing you couldn't great. do so is like name something specific, somebody specific. Okay, well then let's talk about mm -hmm. that. What mm -hmm. about all those artists that say they don't want to contribute to that? Yeah, I, I'm a thousand percent proponent of if somebody doesn't want to be attached to this, they shouldn't be. Like, just hands down. Like, if you don't want your art to be connected to all this stuff, there should be an opt-out thing. Um, you know, I, I think it actually would be better as well if most digital artists were taken out. Do you think that the, that the AI models out, like the Stable Diffusion guys and the uh, mm. uh, Midjourney guys, mm. they don't seem to give a crap. Well, I, I will say, so Midjourney, mid I'll, sure. I'll agree with you. I, I stopped using Midjourney about three or four months ago. Okay. I completely took it off. I don't touch the stuff. There's a few things that that guy said that were like, nah, this seems a little like he, I, I kind of just briefly read stuff, but already I was starting to feel like, you know, they're, the Midjourney's, I've always said is like the McDonald's of AI. And it's, okay. it's unfortunate because when you say AI, AI most people think Midjourney, like that's AI. Right. That's just one guy, one little... Sure. artist that's been trained on all this stuff there's a lot of stuff going on um elsewhere but anyway i stopped using mid-journey it seems a little so what was it, to me. so what was the thing what was the thing about mid-journey let's talk about that that made you say that's 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 a line that i'm not willing to cross well the 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 first part and it's it's mainly because it was just getting too damn good you know i'm more of a i want to make my style mid-journey is how they've done it is they've started out you know, with whatever training data they had. But then when you make an item, there's like four different selections. And every time you select what you like in there, that's like patting it on the head and say, that's good. So that's adding to the training data. Sure. So all of the good stuff that was selected and then all of the top images, you know, that people start to really, you know, use over and over again. Um, those, those are all like putting back into it. So it's training it's itself and it's getting it. too good too fast. Okay. Anyway, so that's not, I'm not about that. You know, it's, okay. so I cut cut all that stuff off. Plus, I I saw in some interview that he he said that he used a whole bunch of artists that he didn't have permission for or something. It was like really kind of a little too, yeah. You know, I I, I, don't, I can't explain it, but it was like you're kind of a dick, and I don't want to 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 um, you know help you out at all. You know, sure. And so you also mentioned stability, and I I disagree about stability feeling that same way. Um, I actually kind of, um, I, I don't say no, but I've been in like Zoom meetings, you know, one-on-one -on -one with the owner, Ahmad, of Stability. Oh, right. And so I got a little bit of a relationship with him. You know, whenever I'm like doing a podcast or something, I'll, I'll ping him and say, what do you think about this? Sure. And I, I swear to you that he really does care. Like when he first hooked on with this, the, the Leon or whatever that does all that common crawl stuff, mm -hmm. they said, we have this... Um, you know, you can use this thing that's like legal and signed and you can use the data. People have been using that data for years and years, you know. To do lots but, of training. But, but doing every possible, you know, learning, training, all this kind of stuff. But now this AI has looked at it then that's a whole new ballgame because he doesn't forget. You know, he right. adds it into his, you know, scenario. But um, so Ahmad, I, I honestly feel like he does care. And from what I understand, he's, he did plan on um, basically taking um, like uh, our station out of the scenario, completely taking it out. Interesting. So their new version, the 2.0 version, gave them the ability to, um, as he says, to, to, be able to tell, be able to control what's put into the sausage, more or less. Okay. 
his earlier stuff, there was no control. You know, 1.0, 1.5, there was really no control for that. And that was as it was coming out, and all of a sudden the groundswell of artists, you know, understandably saying, hey, you know, what the hell's going on? You know, and a lot of that feedback comes down to him, and he's aware of it. And from what I can tell, I mean, who knows, but, you know, it's a near billion dollar company valuation now. Sure. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I got the impression that he sees, he understands, and that he is making moves to be able to change that and to make people happy. Because, like, as I was telling him, it's like, this isn't how you want to start out this whole thing where people are with pitchforks, and if anybody uses it, they get the pitchfork. You right. know, you want to set out, like, I think it would be a wonderful thing for them as a company to be the the 100% hormone-free, ethical you know, the, the company that really cares about artists. That way, all, all these artists were going to start using that. Right. And, you know, a bottom line, most of these artists that hate it are going to use it eventually. You know, it's because they, they won't have a choice. It's being integrated into dang near everything as it should. Sure, sure, sure. But there, there's still there's still some tough questions I'm going to have to ask you. <laughs> do, it, do it. I mean, I might so, not. So okay. Know, so right now, right now you're looking at companies like like OpenAI, which is not open by the way. It's just a name. Yeah, <laughs> not, not even close open. to being open. Not it just happens open. to have the word open in it, but it's not open because Stable Diffusion is open, yeah. right? It's an mm-hmm. open source data form. Like yeah. I've downloaded their models and mm-hmm. retrained it with my own data. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I'm sure well, you have done that uh, as well, right? Oh yeah. And okay. so uh, that in itself is cool because you get to manipulate that concept or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But it also means that you can train it on whatever you want. And mm-hmm. even if you're a bad actor, you can do that. Right? Oh, yeah. But so, you can do that now in Photoshop. You, you can. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I can do the, exactly the same thing in Photoshop. Right. Yep. And anybody can that has any kind of, you know, I could do it with a pen right sure. now. Sure. I could take someone's idea, write it out with a pen, try to make a t-shirt out of it i'm still breaking copyright i mean these these laws are they haven't changed and the same laws that protected people before ai are going to protect them now right. if you if somebody makes an image that is close enough to your your ip or your copyright sure. take them to court but you're gonna to have to take that person to court that did it and not right. the, not the tool right you'll, you'll never be successful taking the tool because that tool did not make them break copyright you know, right. if you're going to break copyright that close, you know, you have to specifically try to do that. I could sure. do that with a photocopy machine right now. Right. You know, there's lots and lots of ways to break copyright, but it's, it's, it's really not the, the AI itself that's doing it. But this AI, the technology will make it easier <laughs> for people. Yes. There's no doubt about that. You know, sure. you don't have to have any skills, you know. But realistically, though, and this is another thing that I've tried a whole lot is like just using the straight up mid journey. Vanilla mid-journey or straight-up um, stability, you can't get close enough just by describing something or even naming it or even the artist name and describing it. It'll, it's still a blend of billions of parameters. And so that way you'll never really get exactly enough. You know, Growing up, all being an artist this entire time, they always said, make it 20% different, make it 30% different, and it's yours. Sure. I've heard that a thousand times. By everybody. But in the, in the early days of some of these AI training things, people were getting images with the watermarks that yeah, what they I were trained expl- on. I can explain why that is, <laughs> yeah. actually, is because when it does training, think about if, it, if you were completely, you've never seen the world at all, and all of a sudden you had 800 million stock photos in front of you with the word photo. 
Right. So you see all these things and it's like, what is this? And it thinks differently than humans. So it looks and it looks at all those right. pixels. And so if it says it's a photo, it might have some kind of name kind of thing stamped sure. on it. So photo equals the thing and then little stamps. A painting might be the stuff. And sure. then on the sides, the bottom left or the bottom right might be some things. Um, and so it thinks that if you type photo that, oh, it's this thing with watermarks on it. And so it puts these things on there. And I know for a fact it does this because I also do a lot of my own artwork thing where there's a, a, a technique called image to image. Right. And basically you can take in any artwork, you put it in, and then you can say, you know, change it and you tell percentage. I want 5% different, 10% different, right. things like that. So I put in my own artwork and say 5% different, and then I would still get that on top of it. And I know I didn't put that on Shutterstock. Right. But I'd still get Shutterstock looking things on top of it. Right. So that, you know, it's really not, so every time people bring up the Shutterstock thing, I'm like, okay, we'll run the image through image in Google, you know, Google um, Lens. Right. Is, is what you're seeing copied? And I've, no, I've done that over and over and over again for people. It's like, okay, I, you can see the Shutterstock, so what's underneath it must be stolen, right? That makes sense. You know, if it's put in a Shutterstock thing, that puts it on top of what's stolen. Right. Now, beyond, let's go beyond that. Because it's not necessarily that, it's not literally just putting a transparency and putting it on top. Mm -hmm. But it's been trained on things that are copyrighted, right? Mm -hmm. So... There's a couple things to do. The, the, the people who are doing the training just say, okay, if it's got a watermark, I shouldn't use it. Mm. Do you think that would be the, the well, I think that's, way to do that, that? That's actually what's, what's happening. Um, that's, they have a, kind of a filter. And in fact, with stability, there's a thing called negative prompts. You right. know, that, and there's like built in, like, yeah, stop, stop putting those things on because they're making people think that everything is stolen. Right. Um, but yeah, it puts it on my own personal artwork so often that... I, I know I know that unless someone snuck in my computer and put it on Shutterstock, right. that it put it on there, it's, I know it's never been on there. In fact, it's something I might have just made and put it on there, and then I'll get those watermarks on top of it. Um, so to me, that's not a smoking gun at all. Sure. It's really about if you can find an, an actual something piece that's stolen in it with a watermark on it, then right. that's the smoking gun, not just the fact that it has a... I, I, I agree with you, but I'm saying more from the point of view of if you're someone that say, okay, train on this data, shouldn't they, shouldn't they be training the data and say, if it has a watermark, I shouldn't be trained on that? Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. It's, apparently to them, it's whatever's involved in that common crawl, it, they were legally allowed to do that. But, you know, really, really like a thousand percent honestly, I, I want this to be a hundred percent legal because I, I love the hell out of the tools that is coming out yeah. and they're extremely powerful tools. And I don't want artists to miss out on that because of all this hubbub. I agree. This, this I agree. And we're going to get, we're, we're going to get to all the potential yeah. in a second. Okay. I, I, I hate, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> no, no. I'm not going to only talk about this. I just want to get it out of the way because sure. people are going to get frustrated unless we talk about it first. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so that's, that's, that I think is, is, is true. I think there's definitely, um, a problem. What do you think about the fact that it's so hard to have this conversation? <sighs> It, it makes fully sense. I mean, think about the, the thought of not just something taking your job, but using your artwork to take your job. Right. So it's a double punch. <laughs> oh, right. you took from me and you took my job. You know, right. it's not just a new technology. So it's a thousand percent 
you know, for sure. It's like, this has to happen. These conversations need to happen. Right. The conversations that you and I are happening that you know, goes online, you know, hopefully will, you know, help people understand a little bit in a different kind of way. Um, but this stuff, we need, I need court cases. You know, I want full-on court cases to come up. I think that would be the best thing in the world. You know, bring right. this up. You know, let's, let's see the legality of all this stuff. You know, it's, it's to me, I, I'm a, a, a weird outlier, I know, because it's like, here, AI, I have everything I've ever done. Right. You can have it, and what I get back is the entire world, the information, right. every single style that's ever done. All, you know, every single uh, beautiful piece of artwork that's ever been made is put in this training data that I have control over. Right. You know, so to me, it's, it's worth it. But um, I know everyone doesn't feel that way. You know, it's, I understand that. Um, but I, do, I, I just do feel like that uh, having an AI look at your artwork and having it kind of, you know, take the data and make connections towards that. You know, all the stuff that it does to blend in to become a, a bigger and better artist doesn't really affect that person, that human person, I sure. don't think. You know, I, I haven't seen yet that it's like someone took, like, was going to hire somebody and then they just typed in their name instead and got it. I'm sure it'll happen. I don't know. Oh, I'm almost sure it's but, happening. Yeah, it's, it, we just have a lot to work out. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's going to be worth it. Let's, let's figure all this stuff out. Let's make everybody happy. Let's maybe sure. make it so that if someone types your name in there and you're training data, you get a little check in the mail. Right. You know, a little micropayment, you know, well, things like that. Like, have isn't that, so that, isn't that exactly what, what Shutterstock is trying to do? Is, is that? They, they actually, I think they believe that they're trying to partner with either Stability or, mm -hmm. or OpenAI or something so that it's, it's happening. That'd be if cool. You're, <laughs> if you're Shutterstock, mm -hmm. your business model is in jeopardy. Big time. Yeah. There, so you have to adapt to this or die. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So uh, not to say that. Now. One last, one last controversial one, and we're going to get into some of the other stuff. Sure. <laughs> okay, so I think that there's been news recently that came out that uh, uh, OpenAI, based mainly on ChatGPT, not necessarily on any of the art stuff or any of Dolly stuff, yeah, that's but a whole new uh, they're suddenly getting an evaluation of $24 billion. I heard 40, but yeah. It was 40? 40? I heard okay, 40, something yeah. crazy, all right? Mm -hmm. So that is an evaluation based on other people's data, right? Mm, interesting. So, so, you know, my contribution has given this one person or this one company or a few people mm. a huge value. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, artists have long, um, you know, put, putting their artwork out there for other artists to learn from and to take sure. from. That's been a pretty consistent thing. There's never been any royalties for that. You know, yeah. I, I know, you know, a lot of people that have, you know, taking pretty generously from other artists' styles, gone on to make artwork for that and that, you know, make artwork and then even getting jobs where they're getting paid lots of money. Right. You know, so do they owe the people that they took from some money from that? It's all about like whether you consider it stealing, scraping or learning from. Okay. You know, and that's that's humanizing it, I know, but I do feel like th these these things are going to help us eventually, you know, if we use it the right way. Okay. I I agree that this is a completely new way of thinking about creativity that is going to be critical to where we move forward from. Yeah. So, uh not just creativity in terms of art, but in terms of writing and everything. Um so I do I do honestly believe that. Um 
what about the idea of people getting hired on their portfolio based mm -hmm. on AI art? <laughs> There's a lot, a lot to figure out with that. But at the same time, I don't think any sane person would hire an AI artist of something that was like a valuable campaign or, you know, something where there actually was real money to be made. Sure. At least currently, you know, right now it's anybody would hire, you know, a real artist that understands all composition and colors and balance and all these things that some rando. Okay. Might not. I'm going to, I'm going to help you in this argument. Mm. I've seen a lot of AI art. The best AI art I've seen are from real artists. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because they understand composition. They understand and, yeah, better it, than most. Big of. time. Yes, yes, I totally agree with that. And that's that's what I've always been saying to people is like, you know, is this is an augmenter for what you already know. Right. It augments. It gives you more variations and more. You know, it takes you places that you'd never go before. You right. know, this the the AI doesn't have any kind of ego or embarrassment. He'll just do all these crazy things that nobody would ever, you know, have have even thought of doing before. Right. So, you know, there's some real benefits to it, I think. And it's also I've noticed that art directors, people that are art directors and have been art directors for a while, they are so good at it because they understand how to explain to somebody sure. something else, you know, what they want done and how to take individual items, the best parts of it and combine it into something great. Right. You know, so and that's what everyone's kind of have to kind of reformat their brain as far as I'm concerned, too, is like right. you're working, you know, you have helpers now, you know, and how do you use the, the help, you know, and well, how do they, you have to credit? The, I everything. think the issue is that they have less need for help. Right. So they can hire fewer artists, et cetera. Fewer right? artists, yeah. And so they don't necessarily need that. I think there's a lot of artists out there who, you know, went to trade schools to learn mm -hmm. how to draw hundred thousand dollars hundred thousand dollars at some trade school for-profit trade school oh yeah Big <laughs> and they are those jobs are are no longer available to yeah them. it's uh but that happens throughout history it, always through history it, there's always, times of big shifts right now we're in that monumental shift probably the biggest shift the world has ever happened right you know we we're, we have the internet now we have complete communication with everybody and all of a sudden this new technology is set to not i mean not just take over artists but pretty much everybody that does any kind of creativity whatsoever programmers should, programmers <laughs> like doctors even you know all right. these things are you know it's like all of a sudden it, you can train the the machine the neural networks and machine learning to do anything anything sure. you can teach somebody else all of a sudden you know, so we have this, you know, monumental shift. So it's not about is this good or bad because it's happening. This, right. this, this is happening no matter what, no matter if artists get off art station or if they write a bunch of mean stuff out AI, it's not going to matter at all. This is happening, you know, in right. a, a million different ways right now. So to me, it's all about, okay, this is happening. So how can I benefit from this and even keep my job, you know, sure. realistically? So to me, so what it's is, what's learn. your advice on that? If you're, if, if I was, let's say, if I was some, some, some young artist, right? Let's say I'm, you know, 25 years old. I just spent, you know, hundreds of hundred thousand plus dollars mm -hmm. at some trade school to learn how to be an illustrator. Yeah. And so now Anti. suddenly you see things like mid journey happening. Yeah. How, how do you, how do you pro progress from there? So I think the number one thing, I mean, that I always tell people is try to stay positive when the word AI comes up. 
So try yeah. to differentiate mid-journey from all of AI because AI is just like a helper that no matter what it is, it could help you work with that. Okay. So really anybody that's going to be hired in the next five years is going to have to have a positive understanding of the new tools. Okay. So right now the, the artists that I say that I can see going, nope, I'm not you know, digging their heels into the sand, they're stuck right there because there's new tools that are happening that are going to invalidate what you've already known. I know it's sad and I know, you know, you've gone to school and you've spent all these years, you know, making sure you can draw a circle perfectly, you know, things like that, you know, you know, now it's considered doing it the, the hardware, you know, and if, if we're talking about um, production art, you know, productions art's always been about doing it faster, doing it better, you know, doing more. And that's what this is going to allow you to do. So the artists that aren't going to um, jump on that, you know, the only way that you're going to be able to compete is if you jump in and you start learning a lot more styles, you know, a lot like it, you have to jump in there because there's going to be some 12 year old kid that is open to all this stuff that has, you know, jumped in there and tried and done it. And I will tell you that, um, you know, mid journey is one thing you just type, type out your prompt and there's a lot of actual surprising detail of how to actually get what you want using right. words there you know people don't want to hear that but there's a whole world in there of a lot of little complex things that really change what you're trying to do yeah, the semantics are very interesting oh my goodness it, it, that to me is just it's really fun too there's a game of like trying to explain to it to get what you want and that that's really near impossible currently to get exactly sure. what you want. Right. And so what you find is that once you really start doing it um, the real way under the hood, like stability and all that, have all these different web sure. stuff. And there's a million. You look in there, and you might you might even take you a full day before you could even get something working. Right. You know, it's under the hood. It's it's the old switchboard. You know, putting that <laughs> in that and figuring out what KLMS means, and you know, right. all these weird. You know, it's it's as close to programming as you can get. Right. Um, so I use this this program called Visions of Chaos. I which, use it too. Thanks uh, to you, you yeah, told me about oh, man, it. <laughs> and that's the most uh, freaking amazing thing because yeah. this guy takes all these different tools that are coming out, like mm -hmm. the real tools. You know, there's like well, all it's the, the way, best way to test everything. Uh, yeah. It, instead of going in GitHub and installing things all these piecemeal, it does it all kind of for you. Right. Um, Just to give people a perspective of what this is, it actually started off before machine learning, long, mm -hmm. long ago. Mm -hmm. And it was a, pro, a standalone program, free program that you could get that would create all kinds of fractals, all yeah. kinds of different things. And then it had one little subsection called machine learning. Mm -hmm. And that subsection has ballooned <laughs> into it's this massive so many, data Every set. cool program yeah. in there. Anything like that's Super slow-mo, um, just like Re image restoration, transfer. Yeah. Image restoration, it's even got oh, the old man. chat GPT. And this all runs locally on mm, your own that's hardware. That's the number one best part about all of this. And that's actually, like using this kind of helped me to understand about that, we we're going to kind of go back about the thievery stuff because really, when you download these trained models, they're like five gigs to seven gigs. Right. You can unplug the internet from it and use it. So basically, it's not just like people have this idea that it's like just go like you type something, it scrapes the internet and finds it for you. No, it's compressed everything that it knows from like 900 million different images compressed down into this little five gig package. Right. And then it's translated through this neural networks, you know? Right. So yep. it's these little things that it's like, oh, here's what I kind of learned and what I remember. And now I'm, I'm going to translate it for this type thing, you know? Right. So that, that, that also shows me that, it, no, it's not stealing your whole image off there. There's just literally no way it could fit 
500, 800, 900 million images right. into this five gig thing. It's just simply not impossible. Not possible. But what it does is it remembers all these connections, you know, and that that way I know that it could really never completely break copyright because it's just a memory, a hazy memory, and a blend of a thousand million different little things together is what you get. Right. Back. So what? What? Okay, a couple things. What are you doing it with it right now? What are the thing like the creative things that you're doing? Well, the the number one things that I'm I'm interested in is like animation stuff. Okay. So that's one thing Midjourney can't do. Right. You know, currently I've heard that it's going to do all these things. So, but there's all sorts of amazing stuff with animation. Like um, one of the things that I love to do is there's a thing called thin. Thin plate spline thin animation. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And that thing is so amazing because basically you could take um, any footage of somebody talking and then transfer it onto a still image and it fully, like, even the still image could be mouth closed, eyes closed, but it'll figure out what's inside the mouth and what's in the eyes and you can turn your head, everything. It could transfer that, that animation or the, you know, the speech onto, you know, your animated stuff. Um, the other thing that I love to do is like um, kind of along those same lines, but it's like using like a metahuman, the unreal metahuman. Mm -hmm. So you could animate the metahuman, but then say that's Tom Cruise. So it just redraws it, but with Tom Cruise's face. And so it really, I think, is going to um, help with the that last little bit of um, realism. You know, that's the thing that we've always been fighting against mm. the the uncanny valley. Sure. Is where you can get everything looking good, but it's just that little bit. It, it just looks um, fake because it just something's always missing. And this no is matter different. What you do, this is different than deep fakes. It, it is different than deep fakes um, in that it's just like automatically created by like um, the stability or whatever. You know? Sure. So it doesn't need to be trained on that person. You just type like Tom Cruise or whatever, and right. it changes that person. You know, okay. you say percentage. Like, what is the percentage? How close to the original? And two, I'll give you some creativity, you know, okay. to let. So there's like basically a dial, and you can basically have, you know, your actors that way, yeah. you know, which is a whole not like now actors are gonna be gone. So well, I know actually, I've actually, you know, it's interesting. Just before the pandemic, so Jan like the January, February, 2020, I was actually in a panel with the Screen Actors Guild. Oh wow! To talk about deepfakes and actors, mm. and sort of what their problem is there. Now, what's interesting is that hasn't really affected them as much no. as they thought it was it, going to affect them. It yet. will. It will. It will. It will. They were, their main concern was it was going to, you know, they were going to use that to false, give false information uh, mm. for the election. Turns out you, you just need to lie and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just straight up lie. Just straight up lie works just as easily. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but, but uh, the thing that's interesting is like, you know, how, how this is going to affect believability and stuff like that what do you think about that like you know how authentic is it what you're saying man i i totally agree with that and I, I don't really have any answers but i do know that we are in for some trouble right you know it's a i the other day you know one of the things that's in the the visions of chaos thing is a voice or a, a text to voice thing i saw and that you can set up like all these different people so i i found a hot sounding girl voice and i i typed out this thing hey, hey mates you're the most amazing guy in the world and i've been watching you from afar right. and you're just the best person in the world and i played it to my girlfriend like right. hey i just got this voicemail you know she totally bought it 100 percent that someone was like like spying on us like looking through the fence and all this stuff right it sounded so realistic 
you know, she's always my litmus test. You know, I, I show her stuff first and yeah, see she's if not, she can, she's no BS. She, yeah, she, she can instantly tell everything. But this one is like, oh, whoa. She was laughing. She's like, what an idiot, you know. Right. But she totally bought it. Um, so, yeah, there, there, we have some major, major things coming up that you're basically not going to believe anything that you see. Right. So how do we how do we prove it now? So that's the big question. Yeah. But I'll tell you, I do think that, you know, we always have solutions you know that's yeah. just the way the world's work some big problem comes up we find a solution another yeah. problem we find a solution it gets sanded off you know it's interesting i'll, I'll put a link in this uh in the podcast notes but or there there's a guy i did a podcast with someone else named Wael, and he uh he's dealing with specifically forensics mm. to deal with that stuff to yeah. try to identify some of that stuff so. yeah i'm just blown away it's like the, right now the the entire world is going to change you know chat be chat chat be GPT three, I can't talk. Yeah. Um, is one thing, but the version four of that that is supposed to be upcoming, that's mm -hmm. the one that they're saying is just gonna like change the world. Right. But I'm always, I'm just tripping out that art artistry was the first one to really come out and to, to create these conversations. You know, mm -hmm. to really to be like, okay, there's something real that's gonna take my job. You know, my entire life, I'm like, oh, well, the AI will never take my job. I do creative right. work and I do artwork. That's something it'll never do. Yeah, I can do recipes for you or whatever. Right. But it's just so strange that that was the first thing that really popped up and became like the, uh, the conversation. conversation. Yeah. But so. Well, it's interesting know. to me, honestly, the one that was the one that really sounded the alarm is when ChatGPT started to become big and everyone started using it. Um, and by the way, they're spending so much money on GPU just to run oh, it. Oh, yeah. They're spending time. like millions of dollars a day yeah, just yeah. to have it running. I'm sure. But uh, it, was, it was Google. Google did Code Red. Mm. Basically, their entire business model, Google search, Ooh. is threatened. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> right? And so, and so Careful now... Careful what you want to find. It is very interesting that you know that one of the most fundamental things of the internet google search yeah and it really is AI. yeah yeah definitely they're they're gonna have to switch their whole business right i, I heard that uh, microsoft is gonna start integrating yeah into bing yeah which is like no one really took bing seriously until now honestly but seriously yeah they had know? to do it yeah but yeah there's so many things that it's like so many questions that need answers that are coming up you right. know right now so it's like artists are worried about art right now but man every other thing in the world can you know is going to change along with it's going it. to be disrupted yeah I, I feel like um you know right now it's art and it's the big conversation but there's going to be so many ai that does different things that really only artists are going to want to use you know the the art ai you know sure. so you're going to have to unless you know people are doing little piecemeal stuff but you know it's, i've always said that you know they're if there's a new technology that makes it so that anybody can create like an image and artwork, then the real artists, you know, the true artists, the people that train and live the life of an artist are going to take that and do something much, much better. I don't know what it is yet, but they're going to take that information and be able to combine it with other, to other tools using hardware that most people don't have. You know, it's the same thing we've always done as professional artists. That's right. what makes us professionals is our equipment usually, you know. Sure. So there's going to be equipment that unless you really want to do this stuff, you're not going to be able to afford or have, you know. And it's going to be training that, you know, just like everything else to figure out how to really use and control this stuff. So even though I know for a fact there's going to be a lot of um, jobs lost, 
I do feel like there's other jobs that are going to fill their places, you know, and it's, so it's all about being positive, I think, and trying to, you know, you're, you're going to, right now it's, it's a shakeout, you know. I will tell you this, which I think is, is fascinating to me. And this is just from my point of view. I don't think the world has been more interested in art than now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ever. Yeah, no one gave true. a crap about yeah. art until now. Yeah. Now suddenly, it's the hot. The, the, and I'm saying that honestly, like there is more art being shown on the internet than has ever been shown in the past yep. by by orders of magnitude, hundreds oh, yeah. of times more. Uh, Which dilutes it. But. It dilutes it, but it's a fast, that's what everyone wants to see, yeah, right? Interesting. The other thing that I also think is interesting is that before this, this, this transition, art was massively derivative. Mm. It was always oh, the same. Especially thing. digital art. It's digital the same art stuff the over same and over stuff again. Over and over again. And people, people were literally just copying each other. Oh yeah. Yeah, you look at Art Station. If you looked at Art Station before this all I blew call up, it the, the chicks with swords station. Yeah, and it's, it's either a robot or a, you know chicks chicks with swords or right. whatever. There's like five different things that people do over and over again. It was all great. It was yeah, all great. It's, it's excellent, but no one's breaking new ground. You know, really, it's you're just kind of doing the same thing. And in fact, that's my whole thing is that I really would petition if I had my way of doing it. I would cut off anything done after 1998 from these training models. Because the main artwork, all the masters of all these thousands of years, train on that the same way that we did. You right. know, the digital artists basically are taking all that stuff and just remixing it. So it's to me, it's not needed right. because it's already a synthesized thing. As I took from that artist, well, all these books back behind me, I can take. Technically, and put, couldn't you do that if you looked at something like a stable diffusion thing? Couldn't you technically say? Only give me, only use the data from 1998 before? Uh, that would be freaking awesome if that was a possibility. I don't think there's any direct way to do it. You know how I do it, that I try to stay um, ethical, is I just literally don't put another artist's name. Sometimes I'll put dead artist names in there, like Giger, I can't resist doing, I couldn't <laughs> resist prompting Giger's name in my airbrush artwork. Sure. You know, that's what I, because he's just such a part of me. So it's right. like, there's, to get my style almost, I can just, you know, do, I can take, the artists that right. are dead that I took from yep. and all of a sudden I have my style and that's what I think you know would be a great way to do it because then you know all of a sudden you know you're just you're using the dead artists that we've always done you know art school all that you repaint other artists you know you just do master copies over and over again you know it's that's how we've always done it and I think that would make it so that you know people would feel better about it you know I, I well I think this is always been the case i mean people copy each other I'm, I'm, you know i will say that like they're copying each other but at the same time these particular uh models are profiting off the copying as mm -hmm. opposed to the inspiration that we do right like if i'm gonna do a zoom dolly i'm gonna i'm not i'm not gonna get sued by the hitchcock foundation mm -hmm. right yeah. <laughs> but i clearly am inspired by hitchcock right mm -hmm. <laughs> so i think that that's something to, to to sort of think about but listen i think this is great we're actually well over an hour oh. <laughs> and it's been a really I, great uh, it's been really great. Uh, I think there's a lot to be talked about. Yeah. Um, I think that, um, you know, there's, a, I'm sure six months from now, I probably will be end up back here again. Good. And so we can yeah, do this again invitation. because it'll be a completely yeah. different conversation. This whole thing might be burned down. The AI might have destroyed my entire lot right here. <laughs> and it's like we're hiding, shivering, like looking for the drones to go over. I don't know. But, you know, so what I it's just my final 
thing is just for people to stay positive and try to find ways. You know, right now there's a shakeup. Like the whole boards, you know, the the whole game board got tossed on the ground. Right. You know, people that were sitting playing that game that thought they'd be sitting there forever now are going, okay, I might not have a chair anymore. The people that are going to have the chairs are the people that are going to fight with the tools that they have and, you know, just go for it and do it, you know, just the same way artists always have done it. Right. I think, I think you're right. I think it's going to be very interesting. Um, I still think there's got to be more conversations on how do we deal with this so that we all feel comfortable. I think that that, I don't think it would have had, if we started with an ethical way of doing it, I don't think we would have happened. I think no. we need to break the ethnicity to realize, whoop, that's a line. Yeah, it's, <laughs> there needs to be court cases. Yeah, there needs to be court cases. There really does. Okay, what, what, and how do you feel about the court cases? Do you feel you'd support those and you'd be behind some of that? A thousand percent. Okay. And, and you know, it's like if, if it turned out that these companies are doing something completely un unethical, you know, right. I, would, I would try to find a way to, I wouldn't use their product. You right. know, that's because I, I, I'm an artist, I support artists, you know, it's so I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to be the stealing guy. And that's kind of what may, has angered me is like pe people like not directly, but indirectly call me a thief, basically. AI art is thievery. And that's literally all I've done like this last year is AI art. So, you know, I don't, they're calling me a thief. So it makes me fight back. Like, no, this is how it works. I'm not a thief. Right. You know, I do it a certain way, but I, well, I Okay, first of all, thank you, because the, the problem I've had mostly with that part of the conversation, although I do want to find a way to support those artists, I do believe that there is not, it's not black and white, as they say. It's and I, and there's a lot of gray, there's a lot of gray uh, in between that, and that needs to be explored. Now, yeah. it, have there been areas which have definitely have had ethical problems? I absolutely agree with that, but I don't think it can be said Anything AI is stealing, everything mm -hmm. else is not. not. not because all. if you look at the way Photoshop has been developed, all of those tools, some of the in-painting tools in Photoshop, mm -hmm. are trained on your photographs. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that goes back to my whole, like, you, you might give up a little bit, but you get a lot back. Right, That's yeah. a lot back. So, All right, well, thanks so much, Meats. I appreciate yeah, yeah. it. It's been a lot of fun, and I will be back. And uh, thanks for inviting me out to your amazing place. Of course, place. always. All right, thank you. All right, thanks.